We're going to continue to get into the Word of God. This is week eight on this series of how, how to develop sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Do you know, um, we've talked about some things, and, and I hope you're seeing, well, and you could turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 14, a foundational scripture. We learn from different scriptures. We learn from Proverbs 20, 27 uh, of how that God enlightens our spirit, that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. We learn from Romans chapter 8 how he leads us and that he leads us by his spirit. So we've been talking about how to be sensitive to him. I can't stress the importance of learning how to be sensitive to him. Do you know nothing changes unless it grows, right? And nothing, here's the key though, nothing grows unless there's change. You have to know that. If, if you are, see there's some, some believers that have gotten saved and they've never moved from that position of just being born again and being a baby Christian. And if you'll notice in these keys to being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we started out with you have to be yielded to him. You have to, second of all, you have to be open to him. That he doesn't push himself on you. He's gracious. He, he will not make you do anything even though we are his. If you're not open to him talking to you about areas because you've said no to him, he'll stop talking to you about that area until you're positioned. You know, God tells us, don't cast pearls before swine. Yep. Not, that, not that people are pigs, but a, a pig would have no, it would look at a pearl and it would see no value in it. If we don't see value in, in things that the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us in, he won't cast those pearls before swine. Now, what will he do? He'll literally encourage and encourage and encourage and bring people into your life and try to bring revelation to you, try to get you in a position, just like Jesus did when he was on this earth. Remember how he would always try to get people in a position to receive from him. So that's what the Holy Spirit will do. But if you're not yielded to him, if you don't make that decision to yield to him, if you don't make a decision to be open to whatever he talk, wants to talk to you about. You know, to, to many believers, the first, the first area that God will come to you on when you're born again is learning how to trust him in finances. And you know many believers never learn that. They never learn how to honor God in the tithe and offering, how to honor God in their finances. They never learn how to do that because they don't, they're not open to it. And the Bible says that if your light's dark in this area, it darkens your whole life. Some, some believers have been so hurt by the enemy. Now the enemy has used people and situations to hurt them. And they're so hurt 
that sometimes unforgiveness could be that thing that stops a believer from being yielded or being open. You have to be open because you're not going to grow spiritually if you're not willing to change. Have you ever noticed that if, if, you, if you get on a, a workout program, it's amazing how God made our bodies and how it parallels. If you get on a workout program and you go to the gym all the time and you do the same exercises the sa in the same order all the time, eventually you will just hit a plateau. And you, and you just won't, you won't grow anymore if you're trying to put muscle on or whatever. There's people that are trying to lose weight, but they can't grow in that area because they're not willing to change, right? They're not willing to eat a Brussels sprout, right? Spiritually, if you want to grow, you got to change. It, it, it might not be fun waking up a half hour or an hour earlier than normal so that you can spend quality time with God and, and, and he might direct you to do that just, just to get you used to putting him first. And you might not have to do that forever, right? He might, you, do you know the Lord has had me fast before? And here was the reason. Just so that I could tell my body that I'm in control. Right? Nothing, nothing grows unless it changes. And so if you'll notice in being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, how important is this? Guys, the Holy Spirit's leading. We are to be so sensitive to it that when he whispers in a room full of people that are screaming, we hear it. That actually, that we sense it. Have you ever known somebody so well, you can tell by a look on their face what they're going to say? Right? I mean, I'll say something, and immediately I'll be like, I know what you're going to say. Because I know her. I'm very sensitive to Jeanette. We're to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That whenever the enemy throws a thought that we're not enough, that this, that this is not working out, here's the big one, that the word is just not going to work for you this time. That, oh, we could just hear, sense his move as he brings that scripture out of our heart and speaks to our heart. It's going to be okay. You already have the victory in this because of Jesus. The greater one lives on the inside of you. Don't notice how crooked everything is. I'm making it all straight. You know, I mean, you could just go on and on. So you have to be yielded to him. You have to be open to him. Here's a big one. God does everything by delegated authority. You even see the Trinity as they submit to the authority i mean it's amazing the holy spirit here, here's jesus the creator of the universe he's like yeah i never say what i want to say i only say what i hear my father say holy spirit's like yeah you know what i only say i only talk about jesus 
I only testify of him. Right? So see, we could, we have to be, well, everything's reflective. Let me say it this way. So that boss that might not be saved, that might not be walking with God, that just has a way of pushing all of the buttons that you have, of uh, he's unfair and this and that, how you submit to him reflects how you're submitted to God. How you love your brothers and sisters, how you love those maybe when they hurt you will reflect your love for the Lord. So, so how do you want to make sure that you walk this way? Just be open and be yielded to him. Because as you know, see, we can't talk about being led by the Spirit if we don't get this. And then here's another one. You have to live life with a clear conscience. Don't let anything bother you. Because if, if something's bothering you, you're, it's gonna, it'll, it'll twist your emotions. It'll twist your feelings. It'll cause you to take thoughts maybe you shouldn't be taking and speak them. And God doesn't want you... He doesn't want you carrying anything. He wants you to travel light, right? So we have to be yielded. We have to be open. We have to have a clear conscience. How do we get here? We must, we started talking about it last week, we must renew our minds with the word of God. We have to renovate our thinking because everything Everything good in your life, everything bad in your life, it all starts with a thought. Thoughts from God that come out of your spirit, cross over your mind that are in line with his word, will do nothing but produce life and increase. Thoughts from the enemy, if you take them, will do nothing but produce death. Here's the thing, they, don't, they may not produce death right away, but they will eventually produce death. So this is why, boy, I'll tell you, you know, there's so many principles of, of being led by the Spirit, and I gotta tell you, if you'll be yielded, open, walk with a clear conscience, and renew your mind with the Word of God, you will walk in every one of them. You'll walk in peace. You'll be steadfast. You'll, you'll be immovable in Him. But most Christians never they never get to that place. And I'm telling you, I could tell you from experience that that place of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit is a wonderful place. And it's a whosoever will, let him come. Right? The gifts inside of you, the offices, if you stand in a five-fold office, I don't care who you are. Listen, we all enter this room the same way. And God, remember, he is Jehovah. He is the self-existent one who always reveals himself. That's what Jehovah means. He wants to walk with you. He wants to lead you. Have you ever noticed in life that when you're thinking wrong thoughts or, or speaking death out of your mouth, how everything becomes very clouded? But when you speak the word of God, when you speak as the Holy Spirit directs you, 
It brings clarity and strength and life. It's amazing. So we have to get that right. So important. So let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It's real interesting here. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, it says these are the sons of God. So we see from this verse, we've talked about it a lot, that if you're a child of God, you have a right to be led by the Spirit of God, but it also comes with it responsibility to be led by the Spirit of God. But I really want to show, look at this, they are the sons of God. That word sons doesn't just mean someone who's born again. This means a mature, or I should say it correctly, a maturing, that Greek word, it would, it would denote a maturing, coming of age, child of God, son of God. The people that are going to be led by the Spirit of God are going to be maturing. In other words, if you're not spiritually maturing, you, you can't separate spiritually maturing and being led by the Spirit of God. Now, will the Holy Spirit still be trying to lead you? Absolutely, but he will be very limited because why? You're carnal. You're flesh-ruled. You're saying no to him all the time and you don't even realize it, right? What happens is as you get dull spiritually, What's, what's happening is you're getting dull to his leading, but you're getting sensitive to the leading of your flesh. And Satan, we are no match for him in the physical. He will deceive you. Man, this guy could sell ice to Eskimos, yeah. right? I mean, he's amazing. He's been at this a long time. Come on. But he is no match for you and I spiritually not even in the same realm. No match. So that's his game. He's stripped of power. He has to get you living over here, looking at what he's doing. And you'll see it. You'll see brothers and sisters in Christ who literally will tell you, the Holy Spirit is leading me. The Lord is leading me to do this. And you could even see it on their face even when they don't even know it, that I'm thinking of four scriptures that that's violating right now. Or I can see it all over your countenance that you're being led, you're being intimidated and pushed by fear or, or something outward. God leads you from the inside. It says in verse 16, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God or the children of God. So I would encourage you, learn to walk in honor to any authority in your life. Wives, honor your husbands, right? Husbands, honor your wives. Husbands and wives, single parents, honor your children. Children, Honor your parents. It's all about honor because 
if, if you, God says this, those who honor me will I honor. It's really interesting. Honor will help you to be so sensitive to the leading of God. He, he works, faith works by love. Everything works by love, right? So as we see, what does is, what is a, a, an immature believer try to do? He tries to go to people in the world who, who can't even see some of these spiritual things and will, will beat them up with the word. And, and it turns them off. Well, why? Well, I'm, I'm speaking the word to them. You're speaking, you're speaking the same, wor same words that God speaks, but they're not inspired utterance at the time. And so... Instead of waiting, Paul said this all the time, pray that I have an open door of utterance, that I might speak the word of God boldly. Listen, if there's no open door of utterance, man, I know from, I know from experience it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work to speak it, right? So walk in honor, do these things. What am I saying? All these things have to do with yielding to the Holy Spirit, being open to him, living with a clear conscience, and now we're talking about how to renew the mind. We have to renovate our thinking so we think in line, or in other words, so that our thought life literally is open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, is yielded to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That our thought life, that we keep it clear from all clutter, so that we can become very sensitive. This is not taught the way it should be in the body of Christ, especially right now, guys. Man, I'm telling you, the days that are ahead of us are glorious. But they might look a lot different than what we've ever seen. But I'm telling you, nothing that we will face between now and when Jesus takes us home is going to, nothing will overtake us. We are not to decrease. We're not to diminish. We are to grow. The anointing is to increase. God wants to increase the anointing in your life. You are, you are the one who sets that bar. The anointing is only increased one way. Faithfulness. It's the only way it's increased. So be faithful. Whatever the Lord leads you to do, just do it, right? So it says here in John chapter 15 in verse 7, this is a great scripture because it, it, we talked a little bit about this last week. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you could read it this way, then, right? Then you will ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. So the thing I want you to see from this scripture, it's in the presence of God. We talked a little bit about this last week. United with him in fellowship, submitted to his word. That's where the direction of God comes. This is huge. And God... See, God already moved when he sent Jesus. 
He already united himself with mankind. He said, I want you, but he can't violate your will. Even as a child of God, those of us who have said, Jesus, you are my Lord, if we jump in the flesh, do you notice that God doesn't force you? Right? This is all, you give him your life and then he kind of gives it back to you and says, okay, follow me. Right? Jesus said, follow me. So this is how this thing works. So we have to unite with him in fellowship and submit to his word. And this is where the direction, the sensitivity comes to where now we know the direction. We might not know the whole path, but we will always know the next step. And you've got to know the next step. You have to know that where you are is where he wants you because otherwise you'll never have confidence before him. For Jeanette and I, we know that we know that we know that God has called us to Omaha, Nebraska, to pastor Faith Family Church. We don't look in a rearview mirror. We don't look for other options. And we know that the enemy has already lost. So we're not moved by anything. We faced a few things over the last 13 years, almost 14 years. I should say it this way, we faced a few really little things and we'll continue to face some really little things because none of them will be big because all, we compare all of them to God. And we stand because we're like, you know, Satan, you can do whatever you want, but this church will become all that God wants it to be because we're not here for us, right? We're here because you have placed us here and we know we're in the will of God. And that's what God wants for you in everything. Man, so many people, I, I see people, you know, they're, they're, they're part of a big ministry and then they start getting older and all of a sudden they're like, man, I've got this big platform in this big ministry and a lot of people know me, but you know, my window is kind of closed and I really need to step out while I've got this big name and this, because then if I go pastor a church or do something, I got to be in this window. Oh, brother or sister, you're looking at this thing all wrong. I'm getting older and, you know, I just got to get married because I, I'm getting older and I just, be careful. Because, man, counterfeits look really good. I just don't like where I'm at. I don't like my job. You know, I've been sitting in this church for 25 years and I'm just kind of, you know, if the pastor tells that story one more time, Right? And, and then, and I just, I, I just need a change. And then I get invited to a special meeting and I walk in this church and wow, it's like heaven parts and it just feels so good. And the pastor is like, it's like Jesus and then there's him. He, he, you know, and, and everything feels, and I just want to, I just, I'm, I don't feel good and I just want to feel good. Be careful. Be careful, because there's nothing that feels as good as being in the will of God. We as Christians, what am I saying? We're not to make any decisions unless he leads us. I'm not led by my head. I'm not led by money. I'm not led by uh, people trying to put pressure on me. I'm not led by anything but led by... See, I have been led by other things. 
I still remember, even when we started the church, you know, I was the guy, get me in the meeting. Get me in this corporate meeting as a national sales manager. Send me to New York. Get me in that meeting. I'll close that multi-million dollar deal. Man, and I, I mean, I was a wrecking ball. Ministry, everything. I'll kick the door down. You know, if somebody says no to me, they just, they just need more information. And God's over there going, oh, I know, I know there's hope for him. He's going to get it right. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. I remember when we started the church for ever since we moved to Omaha, we would drive down 180th. And I would look at, every time, look at Elkhorn Ridge Middle School and go, man, that'd be a great place to start a church. Right? I would drive with where I was working when we moved here, because we came here with, for a job. It took that to, for God to get me to Omaha. He had tried to get me to Omaha for years, and I wouldn't come. I'm like, I like the Pacific Ocean. I'm not going to Omaha. College World Series, who cares? Right? You know, I mean, literally. So I, when I worked, I would drive by this building, I don't know, five times a day, and I never even saw it. For me, I had to just get over myself. You know, when you tell God, or when God tells you, because when you come to the end of yourself, and you're like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching 300 times a year in a Bible school and church, I'm doing all this stuff, and my family's suffering financially, and I don't feel like any of it is what I'm supposed to be doing, and what, what I'm at the end of my rope. I, I just can't do this anymore. What do you want me to do? And then you hear those three glorious words. Get over yourself. Tony, you need to get over yourself because ministry is very hard when you're working and God's not working. And I literally saw on the inside of myself me beating my head against the wall. And so literally, this is what most believers in life, they, they just, they can't wait. They can't be still. They gotta figure it out. They gotta move and make a step. But, but God always leads you when you're moving. But how do you move? With your mouth. Move as the Holy Spirit directs you. Father, I thank you that I hear your voice and I am not stressed out about my situation at all. I thank you that you always are on time. Because it's glorious when you see God move and something works out. And a lot of believers, they've heard about it from Kenneth Copeland and Keith Moore and, and some wonderful teachers in the body of Christ, but they've never experienced it themselves. Right? For Keith Moore, when did that start? It didn't start when he was on TV. It started when he moved from Mississippi. I'm talking back country Mississippi right? Where people lived their whole life and never went to another state. And him and his wife, they moved to go to Ramah and they have no money and they're living in a bad part of Tulsa and somebody siphons all the gas out of their piece of junk truck and they have no money to get gas so they're in their apartment and they're like, okay God, we're just going to believe you for a tank of gas and then they get a phone call. Hey, the Lord just spoke to us do you guys need gas? And that's how it all started. For a pastor in, in, in Mount Pleasant, Iowa, he was a young minister traveling around. 
young guy, 18, 19 years old, just out of high school, traveling and ministering in churches and singing and all this stuff. These pastors that can sing and preach. I have no idea why God did, didn't do that to me, but that's okay. That's all right. I'm not bitter. No, I'm just teasing. But for him, he's believing God for dress shirts. Now, we don't really know what that is in, this, in, in our church society anymore, but that's a, that's a button-down shirt that you wear this nasty thing called a tie. You know, and, and he needed dress shirts, and, and he was speaking at this church, and he was staying at one of the board members' houses. And at dinner, this board member looked at him and said, hey, do you need some shirts? And he was believing God for shirts. And he goes, you know, yeah, actually, I, I do. He goes, you know, in, in the bedroom there, just open up, it's the bottom drawer. He goes, I got a bunch of brand new, brand new shirts. You just, he goes, take as many as you want. There's several of them in there. They were exactly his size, right? It's little things like this. This is why we're talking about this. God's direction, it comes in time of fellowship. If you're not in fellowship with him, now I'm not talking relationship because you're always in relationship. You're always his child. But if you're not in fellowship, that's when fear comes in and it clouds everything and it causes you literally not to be yielded, not to be open, and it clutters your conscience. But not us, amen? So if you look at Romans, the book of Romans, and anybody who comes to the men's Bible study, we, went, we took 400 years and went through the whole book of Romans, right? We just really went through it. Well, you know in Paul's book, he goes through all this stuff, and in, in chapter 8, it's the victory chapter of how God wants you to walk in victory in every area of your life. Then he goes on a side journey, talking about Israel and some other stuff, in, in chapters 9, 10, and 11, and then it's as if he picks it right back up, like kind of like I'm doing right now. You know, I was kind of on that rabbit trail, and now here I am, right back, right? So chapter 12, verse 1, I want you to turn there. We started last week here, but now he's going to tell the Roman Christians how to walk in victory. Well, you can't walk in victory without being led by the Spirit, and you'll never be led by the Spirit if you don't renovate your thinking. Nobody wants to hear that because here's the beginning of renovating your thinking. Verse 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living, time out, sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is how he starts out. We're to yield our bodies literally as dead to sin. We're to keep that body, that flesh, on the altar. That is the beginning. How do you stay open? How do you stay yielded? How do you keep a clear conscience? You're going to have to keep your body as a living sacrifice. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, brethren, this was Paul. He was calling these Roman Christians who were being persecuted. Their, their, leader, their leader was not President Trump. It wasn't President Obama. It was Nero, probably the second worst Caesar of all time, second only to Domitian. The guy was crazy. We think some of these guys running for office and are in office right now are crazy, nothing compared to this guy, right? So, so he's saying, I want you, I'm, I'm literally 
calling you to separate yourself from the world. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. It Literally, this Greek word present means to present in a spirit of sacrifice, to literally yield your bodies a living sacrifice. This phrase spoken, penned by a Pharisee, Paul, there were no living sacrifices in the Old Testament. This is a paradox. Every sacrifice in the Old Testament was dead. But now he's talking about a living sacrifice. Holy. This means sanctified. In other words, the work of sanctification in your life is, what is that flowing from? It's flowing from you choosing to be a living sacrifice. Right? Don't you know, man, when you get slapped by somebody, right, you have to remember, no, flesh, we're not going to say that. We're not going to go there. We're, right? When you get hit with a diagnosis, when, every, when everything in your life feels like, why me? You have a choice. And that's when you have to present your body a living sacrifice. You have to believe, is God good all the time? Or is he not? Every false doctrine will put you in a passive position against Satan. And a false doctrine, we think of that as like, oh my gosh, it's just so stupid. No, no, I'm talking about where 95% of it's really good, but, but 3 to 5% of it is telling you parts of the Bible, just throw those out. Or, or you know, Yes, God does heal, but if it's according to his will. Well, if he only does something for a few and not everybody, who could have faith? Because how do you know, right? If I told everybody here tonight, now I'm not doing this, but if I, if I said, okay, everybody who can last through my sermon tonight, I will give you a $100 bill before you leave. If you believed my word... I know, seriously. If you believed my word, right, that'd be awesome. So you could all technically be in faith. You'd be, I mean, in my closing prayer, what would happen? See, normally, all you guys walk that way, and I just stay down here, and I have to chase everybody to talk to them. <laughs> Pastors laugh at me. What do you mean you go up to people in your church and talk to them? I'm like, well, they don't come up and talk to me very much. And they're like, but, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, Jesus told me years ago, a shepherd's supposed to smell like sheep. I love it. And I'm, and I'm just messing with you. People come up and talk. People actually talk to me, so it's good. Uh, <laughs> but, but literally, we have to keep our eye on the ball here. We have to literally present our body Am I going to believe what I'm feeling? Am I going to believe what everybody's saying? Or am I going to believe what God's word says? Because in that example, what if I said, hey, I'll give everybody here except one person a $100 bill. None of you would be able to be in faith because how do you know you're not the one? So how in the world could God heal some and not others? Right? When it, he says over and over and all, what does it say in Psalm 103, right? Just ask Chuck Dent. 
He heals, he forgives all my iniquities, he heals all my diseases. Not one person ever came to Jesus and he looked at him and said, sorry, it's not my will to heal you. Right? The Bible even said healing would come out of him even when he didn't know it. With the woman with the issue of blood, who touched me? Right? So we have to, we yield our bodies. So this is our reasonable service. This Greek phrase means this is logical. It's translated spiritual worship, but literally the Greek word means it's the logical progression. So judging from this, see, I'm to yield my body as dead to sin. Well, how do I do that? Romans chapter 6 says, I've got to reckon my body dead to sin. How do I reckon it? How do I count it dead? I walk around thanking God. When my flesh wants to do something, I've got to walk around thanking God. Father, I thank you that I was literally crucified with Christ. I was identified with his crucifixion and his resurrection. I was buried with him in baptism, and I was raised to newness of life. And let me just finish this up by saying, and you, your word says that sin would never dominate me. So body, calm down. We're not saying that. We're not doing that. What am I doing right now? I am presenting my body a living sacrifice. See, if you know what the word says, then it's the logical progression for you to do it. Amen. Right? Even though in the natural, see, in the natural, if you get diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, in the natural, you really need to just go get your affairs in order. But when you know Matthew chapter 8, that Jesus himself on the cross bore that sickness and carried that pain, and with his stripes you were healed, and that Jesus Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law, and according to Deuteronomy 28, it includes all sickness and all disease, when you know that, it's just the logical progression to say, Father, I thank you that I'm healed in Jesus' name. And sickness, you got to get out of my body. So you yield your body by knowing who you are in Christ. This is how you present your body, a living sacrifice. This is how you stay open, yielded, and have a clear conscience. It's how you renew your mind. You yield your body by knowing who you are in Christ, and then you reckon yourself dead to sin. That's how you present your body a living sacrifice. See, this is so, like we just had a wonderful time of prayer down in the West Wing. I mean, right before service, it was wonderful. Wasn't the flow of it wonderful? Did you notice? Because see, when you get around, in a corporate setting, when you're in a corporate setting, you, you just have to be led so like, you know, every service, every service, I don't think I, well, I can't remember a service, maybe there's been one, where I haven't had a tongue and interpretation. Maybe, may, I don't think so. I, I mean, usually I have several. Words, words of prophecy, God shows me, I have words of knowledge all the time. But I, I always ask the Lord, okay, is that, is that just for me? Or is it for everybody? 
Is it for now or do I wait? And see, when you, when you, when you live your life presenting your body a living and holy sacrifice, it's easy to do that. You'll learn the flow. Well, I'm not getting very far, but I think this might be helping some people. I remember as a young man that there was a, a, a dear friend of mine that was helping me with a, a middle school group, young lady, Darcy. She cleaned houses with her sister. Her sister was a single parent, had a couple kids, and there was this, this nationally known prophet that was speaking at our church. And so Darcy's sister said, hey, can you, can you take my kids because I've got to do this? And Darcy was working late. So when she would clean houses, she just wore sweats, didn't have makeup, her hair wasn't done. I mean, she's working. And then she went over and she picked up her, her two, her sister's kids. And, and our sanctuary, like you came in, a, you could come in a door from the outside or go through the office area. It was in an office building. And so this lady is ministering, and she was known to have words of knowledge, and she was very accurate many, many times. And I remember sitting there, I'm, you know, I'm always like to be down by the front I, so I could sing and people wouldn't hear me, and, you know, and it, it was just, it was great. And I like to be in the middle of stuff. Well, Darcy walked, came in late. Darcy's single, has no kids. But when she walked in, the lady was ministering. And the lady turned and looked, and no doubt she saw this young lady with two little children in sweats with no makeup on, and her hair wasn't done because she had been cleaning houses all day. She didn't know that. She just thought, oh, this is a single parent, kind of struggling. You know, Darcy wasn't struggling, but she didn't know that. She looked like it. And this lady missed it. Next thing I know... She called, the lady calls, now, now I'm, I'm like best friends with Darcy. The lady calls Darcy down and starts laying hands on her. Pastor Edwin, can I use you as an example again? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you lay hands on people in a charismatic church, a lot of times if I lay hands on people, I will put one hand here and lay here. You know why? To keep them up long enough so I could pray for them, right? So not, not because of the anointing. Some, some charismatic people think that, Falling is, is what gets you your answer. But we don't judge the power of God by how many fall. That's right. We judge the power of God by what happens in their life when they get back up, right? So, but, so she starts praying for Darcy. And so she's like, she's praying for her, and she's, she's wanting her to fall. And so, so she's kind of moving. I mean, literally, <laughs> she keeps moving. And she's about right here in the sanctuary. She's like, come out of her. And all this stuff has her all the way in the back, and then she just turns around. Thank you, thank you. He's, he's filled with the Spirit. He doesn't have a demon, so that's good. <laughs> Demons run from him. But, I mean, you know, and I'm sitting here watching this, and I'm, I'm, you know, I used to be super aggressive, so I'm like, Lord, I'm just thankful this is not a, a male minister because I, I would never do anything to a female minister, but I don't think I could have handled because I'm like, what is this person doing? This, and I'm looking at the pastor going, that's why if something's ever off, we'll always walk in love, but I'll never let something go. Because the whole church, after those meetings were over, because the pastor, he didn't do anything. 
He just didn't want to, you know, this is a nationally known minister. He didn't want to make her look bad, but he should have stood up and said, oh, time out. Anybody could miss it. But he didn't do that. Darcy literally was, she was a children's minister that was phenomenal. She was phenomenal in helping me with the middle school. Just a phenomenal lady. You know, she, she was derailed for many years. She'd come to church. And oh, a lot of people in our church would walk up to her. Oh my gosh. You know, wasn't that awesome? Do you know, I was thinking that, man, that, that you were oppressed by demons. I've been thinking that about you. And isn't it awesome that you got free? This, you know, I, I think this is why that, that, that thing about laying hands on people suddenly, you know, it's like, it's just, it messed her up. That's why we got to be led. Because we can't afford to miss it. Have you ever got a word? I've gotten words that were just, kind of out to lunch, but it's okay. It doesn't mess with me because I know who I am. But I'm very conscious. Man, if I say something, I'm going to sit here and go, now, if that doesn't bear witness with you, I could miss it, throw it out. Because I've seen people's lives be derailed, but this is why we have to be sensitive so that we never get railed and we, ne we never get derailed and we never derail anybody else. So, we present our bodies a living, holy sacrifice. A one-time decision that's lived out every day of our lives. What will Satan try to do in your life? He's always going to try to ignite your flesh so that you will, will give into it and not present your body a living and holy sacrifice. Why does he do this? Because how do you maintain the living and holy sacrifice? Romans 12, 2 tells you how. But if you're not doing Romans 12, 1 and 2 together, it's not going to work. Because Romans 12, verse 2 tells you how to do verse 1. Okay? It says, first of all, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into the mold to look like and think like and act like what the world thinks, acts, and looks like, right? Don't let, in other words, the world system is going to try to press you into the world to think like the world, to act like the world, to talk like the world, right? It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed, be transformed this word literally means to literally what's on the inside of you, let it come on the outside. Be transformed how? By the renewing or the renovation of your mind. How many of us need our mind renovated? All of us. Well, what do you do if you renovate something? The first thing you do is rip everything out, right? You get rid of it, and then you, then you put in. See, there's detrimental thought processes that your heavenly father wants to, wants, he wants to use his word to get it out of you so that you stop beating yourself up with it because ultimately you'll start beating up other people with it. So we have to change the way that we think. We do that. We have to renovate. Our life is transformed as we renew our mind right? 
Why? That we may prove, this Greek word means determined by experience, what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Notice it doesn't say the good, acceptable, and perfect wills of God. No, it's written very specifically. It's three adjectives that define one will of God, but in the Greek language, it reveals a progression. So as I walk out the one will of God for my life, which is good, acceptable, and perfect, as I keep doing it, I will move in the progression towards all this, but it's still just one, wor- one will for, his li- for my life. Now, the one will f- that God has for your life has many facets. God has a will for my life as a father, now as a grandfather, right? As a husband, as a pastor. He, there's many facets of his will for your life And all of them are to be good, acceptable, and perfect. Paul is saying that the renewing of your mind is the key to being led by the Holy Spirit and walking in victory. Some people have been burned by pastors, so they have no respect for pastors. Right? Man, I don't really care if you respect me, but this is what I do care Respect the office because Jesus placed me in the office, right? Respect what God is doing. That's why if a person's a child of God, man, they instantly have my respect because they're a child of God. God loves them. Yeah, but you don't agree with them. Who cares? Because guess what? I could be wrong. Maybe I don't see some things. Maybe they don't. Doesn't matter. We walk in love. You find your answer. You've heard me say this a million times. You find your answer in God's word. You renew your mind to that through meditating in those scriptures. And then you'll walk in the victory and the reality of it. Knowing God's word and, and, boy, I wanted to go a lot further, but that's okay. You guys will come back next week. Knowing God's word, you've heard me say this, knowing the word is when it's working in you and it's manifesting out of you. See, if we don't learn how to present our body a living and holy sacrifice, we're going to stay a baby Christian and we're going to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Some of them are really stupid, but the real dangerous ones are there's so much good stuff to embrace, but there's just a little part of it that can take you off. But if, you're, if you learn how to submit the Holy Spirit, man, if you're yielded open and, you, and you're not cluttered by stuff, and you're renewing your mind, you will be able to see things as they really are. You'll be able to see, man, I'm going to embrace all of this, but I I can't go here yet. And you're even okay with not throwing it out because maybe you don't see it, so you put it on a shelf. But you'll never just go off. There's There's nothing worse. I know for me as a pastor, when I see somebody, they start to embrace something that's so awesome but then they go too far into it and they get off balance 
And off balance is this. They get outside to where now they're so on this that they're missing a lot of other things. And you can usually see it in their life. There's a lack of joy. There's inner turmoil. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is wanting them to go a different way. I mean, we have to be careful. Satan, people that are on fire for the Lord, Satan will try to trip you up and get you on some soapbox. Forget the soapboxes, man. Just stay in the word of God, right? Rightly divide the word, putting all your trust in him to help you and stay humble, stay faithful, and stay teachable. If you'll do that, you will become so sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. And then you'll be able to literally, you'll be able to draw from people. You'll be able to draw from the gifts in them. You'll be able, you're not even, you don't even care about the sticks because there's still some great hay in there. But you'll know where to go and where not to go. We have to be, you know, the prophetic ministry is wonderful. It's when it goes a little off and it gets into the pathetic that, that, that really, and, and it, it, there's a manipulation. The office of the pastor is wonderful when a pastor leads a church because he lives the word of God and he loves his people and he leads by serving, not by controlling, not by hammering people, and not by, hey, I'm the man of God. You know, I know and you don't. That person is not open. That person is not yielded. Right? And, and, and they'll, it's hard. And it's easy for all of us. Satan can get you off. But if you'll live under the light of the word of God, if you'll live humble, if you'll be faithful, if you'll stay teachable, you will stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen?